Thanks for tuning into the Replatform Podcast, sponsored by Attract and Hypersonics, and hosted by me, James Gerd. My co-host Paul Rogers is knee deep in baby woes at the moment, so won't be joining us today. Uh, we'll welcome it to your first episode. Uh, we've put a lot of time and effort into creating this content, so help us keep the podcast going. Refer us to other people in your network, let them know we exist, share our social posts, and also we'd love a rating on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen. It helps boost visibility. Right, phone, so let's set up our, our uh, latest episode. So the topic is loosely named first time replatform that thrills, pills, and belly aches. Um, migrations are challenging, but what's it like when you're doing it for the first time and previously not been in an e-com focused role? So I guess they moved into a first digital role in 2018, then shortly afterwards leapt into a, a Zencart to Magento replatforming, which involved both B2C and B2B. At the same time, there's a big ERP project in running the background, previously switched over payment providers. So lots of quite intense uh, project work for, for someone who's come from non-digital into a digital role. So today we're going to talk about what it's like tra- transitioning to an e-com role, the experience of leading a replatform project for the first time, the benefits of having deep customer product knowledge bring to that type of project, and advice and insights for other people on how to effectively manage them. So a warm welcome to Jody Bratchell, who's the e-commerce manager at uh, leading e-question brand Lumina. Hi, Jody. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you, James? I'm good. I haven't spoken to you for a while. I'm really looking forward to this because uh, we worked together on this project and it was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of stress, but a lot of fun. <laughs> I think that sums up really well, actually. <laughs> um, before I start asking annoying questions, do you want to get? Can you give um, a bit of an intro to our listeners, like who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so my name's Jodie. I am ecom manager at Lemure, um, which is a equestrian brand um, global now. Um, so I actually did not start from an econ background. My background is in sports science. Um, and, uh, I kind of came into this role, um, started off with a company in that more like an admin, um, in production kind of role. I'm a horsey person. Um, so as soon as I saw a job opportunity for the brand, um, I got very excited. Um, and it was a very, very small team at the time. So it was just a case of everyone had to help everyone out. We did a bit of customer services, a bit of everything. Um, and they were currently doing a new website project at the time on our old platform um, asked me to just help out as an extra pair of hands and found out I could click around and get used to it quite quickly and quite easily. And that's kind of where it went from there. Um, I like to say no, no previous experience, but I managed to click buttons quite well and, and it kind of fitted and that ended up being my full-time role. And then I got thrown into an entire replatforming project. So uh, yeah, a steep learning curve. Well, to be honest, I still, I'm still clicking buttons and I haven't been found out. So don't worry, you'll get comfortable. Um, what, so yeah, that's interesting. Sports science into digital and through the love of, of, the, of basically the customers and the product. But can you just tell people, listen, what, what does it feel like to be in your first e-commerce role and your responsibilities? Um, a little bit daunting, I won't lie. Um, I was very aware that I had... Um, not a huge amount of knowledge, um, but I was confident in the terms of because I feel like I am the customer for the brand. Um, I knew how I shopped, how my friends shopped. Um, so although a little bit daunting um, for lack of knowledge, terminology, there's a load of acronyms that I had to learn um, and all these kind of things that, um, yeah, it was exciting because it, it brought out uh, the kind of my competitive nature of trying to improve things all the time and make things better and make it a better experience. Um, but also I, I adore this brand. I love this brand and I wanted to have, find a way to be able to show it off to other people so they could experience how good it is. Um, and us being a, a pretty much an online only brand, um, from our retail customer point of view, the website was the perfect way to be able to do that. 
Yeah, well, we'll come back to a question later about the benefit of deep customer and product knowledge because it's something that I benefited massively from from you being the lead in the project in the early stage and that. So I'll pull that for a minute. But what I wanted to focus in is about the replatforming side because obviously you came in from non-digital into digital and then quite soon into a big project. And, and replatforming, even if you've done it several times, is challenging and there's always robots. Um as as a uh, as someone new into the e-commerce space, did you have any idea what a replatform project would entail and, and what the size of it might be like? Totally, honestly, no. Um, we we knew that we needed to replatform. We we knew we needed a, a new website. Is pretty much the basics of it. Um, but no, I had no idea of the complexities of it, how much time it was going to take, all the different moving parts that all had to come together. Um, my knowledge was very very basic at the time, so. Um, so yeah, it was it was daunting, but almost went in with a a, a bit of naivety, which meant it wasn't too scary. <laughs> it probably made it a bit easier. <laughs> I can't see it; it's not there. Exactly. <laughs> and so yeah, let's let's probe a bit more on that. What so what surprised you? Because I think that's quite this is the reason why we want to do this episode because you you came into the replatforming world with a fresh set of eyes rather than my jaded jaundiced preconceived views of the world. Um, what surprised you the most in terms of complexity and challenges and things that other people who are, are going to be in the same position as you need to understand in terms of what they, those complexities are? I think it's around, like I say, all those moving parts for everything that comes together. Um, my knowledge from just working on our old website was we put products on, we make them look pretty, um, they sell well, um, and that's kind of the basis of it, make sure the homepage looks good and the links are working, etc. But actually behind the scenes, um, the SEO, which we had never done in this company, and I ha- well, I still am learning a huge amount about um, different plugins that we can do, what site search does, um, Google Analytics, all these other kind of moving parts, which make up not just a pretty looking website, but actually one that functions really well. Um, looking at shopper shopper's experience, um, all these kind of things, how we do recommend a friend, how gift cards work. Um, the kind of more nuts and bolts of the the um, kind of behind the scenes of it all, there was just so much. Um, and that that was probably the daunting thing once I got into the project. Um, and that was the naivety going in, not realizing all that uh, all that existed. So, um, yeah, it's been a big, big learning curve trying to get my head around all of that. Attract, your complete product discovery growth engine. Create relevant shopping experiences that convert into sales and grow online revenue with personalized search, merchandising, and recommendation solutions powered by AI. Find out more at attract.com. Yeah, I think it's really interesting you touched that because one of the bits I think a lot of businesses underestimate is, is business process. And that that is any process, whether it's internal for you putting products on and you need to change it, or it's the process for engaging with customers or how you service customers. And understanding the touch points and also not repeating stuff that doesn't work because you had to compromise it um so having gone through this process then of 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 like seeing some complexity starting to work out how the moving parts move together what what did you learn like what worked well in terms of how you did things or how the business approached the project things that you could recommend to other people to like, do this will really help your project Oh, well, first of all, working with you um, or ed- any consultant, um, being someone that had no experience, it was being just totally thrown in the deep end. Um, and having you on board meant that we were able to 
structure it out, break things down, get some workshops done, gain on your knowledge and experience. Um, and with the tiny team that we were, um, as well as doing all our day-to-day stuff, it was absolutely invaluable. Um, if you've never, ever done a replatform before, I think doing it without a consultant would be madness. And it's 100% needed from my, my side. Um, and also for our web agency, so we, we went with um, Tom & Co., we did a lot of research in behind that, um, but we really liked them and their knowledge um, and they aligned really well with the values that we have for the brand um, and they were absolutely vital in kind of helping us know what is possible, um, what to expect, how it's all set up, everything. Um, so yeah, that would be 100% something, make sure we've got some really good partners and good guidance on board. Um, yeah, would uh, would be absolutely my recommendation. Um, but also the time that we spent researching, I think there was other than day-to-day work, there was a good few of us in the company that spent a long time looking at lots of different websites, um, that we liked of brands that we liked, not just within the industry, but outside, um, not necessarily as well, just for how they looked, but what functionalities they had that we could use for our products, um, what platforms they were on that suited us, how how we knew their business was kind of structured a little bit and whether that related to us as well. Um, and that time researching was vital. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. A couple of things you've touched on interest, like the SEO. And I, I think a lot of people, even people who have got SEO knowledge, um, businesses don't necessarily put the right investment in to do that piece right around site architecture, user journeys, navigation piece. And they just do the, let's just migrate it properly. Um, and I, I think I think that's a really important point because it takes time, and I think we learned that in this project that if you rush it, you get compromised out. So, but the other bit uh, you're saying about um, working, I guess, the working with external partners and getting the right partner culturally, not just a technically proficient partner, because it's so important, isn't it? It's when these projects get stressful, knowing you can talk to somebody and trust them rather than you've got just a wall at the end and a ticketing machine. Absolutely. I, I can't remember the amount of times that I've, I got on the phone to you, James, and was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and that was a massive help. And like I say, the same with the uh, the agency as well. Like, it it was, a, I felt I had a team behind me, even though they weren't sitting next to me in the office. And that's a massive form of support, especially when there's lots of pressures from lots of different um, departments within the business saying, we need this and we need that. Um, so you're getting hit from all angles to have a, a kind of a support network around you that you know is a really knowledgeable partner that you can turn to and make sure you're getting the right output. Yeah, and, uh, an interesting uh, uh, like side question I've got is is the for you the importance of a strong project manager from the agency because I, I I love Tom O'Kay and I've, I've worked on quite a few projects and the one thing that that is always interesting is who you get as a project manager and um, we had a I, I think we had a really strong project manager and Alex. I'd love you to like talk through for other people listening. Like, what what value does a strong project manager from your agency bring to you as the the client? Oh, absolutely essential. Yeah, Alex was incredible. Um, so well organized, um, so well structured. Really, and the tools that we were using meant that we had really good visibility on each part of the project. Um, so we knew kind of timelines of when things were happening, when we're going to need to have things done on our side. By it just broke the entire project down. Um, but was driven by one person who was able to manage the the very kind of non-technical speaking side from my side and put that across to the, the developers for what we needed. It was um, being that one point of contact that 
when you're saying I'm absolutely drowning I can't get this done in time no problem I can take that on I can help you out with this and um yeah she was she was absolutely vital um we definitely couldn't have done it without her and it's just that organization side when you've got day-to-day running of your the current website and the business to keep going as it is to have someone that can take on the project to be able to to manage that was um yeah I don't know what we would have done otherwise yeah I think it's such an important relationship because it, these projects get stressful and, and knowing that somebody's not just going to be jobs worthy I mean I'm not doing it I thought I think that's for me that's the difference between a project manager and a partner is somebody who will support you and realizes when you need that extra little bit of high hand yeah. <laughs> when you can't play them up. Um, but let's go to the flip side of this. So we talked about you know, things that, that, that work well that, that you'd recommend other people do. Let's talk about you know, what's, um, yeah, what didn't go so well. What would you improve or do differently? Because none of, I mean, it doesn't matter how many projects I do, there's always something where I go, I, we could have done that better or I could have done that better. So I'd love to hear from, from your point of view. If you could time capsule, go back and restart. Is there anything you do better, differently? Um, probably quite a lot of things. Um, I to be to be fair, for us the project was really successful. So thinking on that question, it's like well, the outcome that we've had from it has been really positive, but the process to do it was really tough. Um, it is stressful. Um, but I think mostly from our side, we needed more internal support. Um. What our, our brand is growing at a rapid rate and um, I think probably every team in here is is relatively stretched. Um, I don't think we'd be ashamed of saying that. And we work very, very hard. And so it felt like I was on my own quite a lot trying to trying to do this within, within the company. Um, so everything sat on my shoulders. And I think if I was to do it again, I would push a lot to try and get some more hands on deck on our side to be able to help out. Uh, we did as best as we could and we did pull people in. Um, but just having those people that can do the day, the, either take the day-to-day stuff away a little bit um, or at least take the more kind of bulky admin heavy tasks of the replatforming project on would have been a massive help. Um, so I think, yeah, just a bit more people or, or um, uh, allowing us a bit more time to get things done possibly. Uh, we were trying to fit everything into a deadline. Um, like you mentioned earlier, we had an ERP project and that we were doing at exactly the same time. So this was a massive change for the business on almost every angle. Um, so lots of people were being pulled in lots of different directions. And um, I think we were not realistic initially in the time that it would take to get it completed. Um, we did meet the deadline eventually after it had been moved back a couple of months. Um, but yeah, just give us a little bit more time. Um, and I think for us, we are we were quite design focused in the way that we went about the whole project um it was probably because that was mostly what we knew is what we saw in front of our face um and now having a bit more knowledge and a bit more experience i would want to challenge that a little bit more and challenge some of the design elements that we pushed for and were looking at into more of the functionality and the usability sides um things that might not be initially visible but make a better experience for the customer um so yeah i think we would maybe try and pull away from making everything looking amazingly pretty which it does and it's fantastic but let's try and make it work as well as possible hypersonics helps e-commerce companies make more profit every day this ai driven platform delivers recommendations for pricing and inventory that lead to bigger profits visit hypersonics.ai forward slash 
podcast to get a free trial. Yeah, it's it's a really hard balance to get when you are a um, you know life, I guess lifestyle driven brand rather than just a you know a functional seller like an Amazon, where it's just like hey, the nuts and bolts are the criticality of that. Um, could you give us a couple of insights on you? What sort of things do you do? You wish you'd spent a bit more time on then from this features or usability. What what would have been your ideal? The things that you've noticed now. Is that, oh, I wish we'd spent more time on that. Well, one of the things is we so we have two sides of the business. We've got B two C and B two B. Um, and B two C was a big focus for the entire project. Um, and rightly so. But it did mean that the B two B side took a bit of a backward step. Um, it was thought about and there was some attention into it but nowhere near the same amount as our b2c side and now we're finding we're having to make relatively i say basic improvements but simple improvements to how we've structured the menu how things work on the b2b side which the b2c side had all that attention during builds um and once you're especially on for kind of trade customers and stockists like once you change a process for how they order which they do day in day out with you all the time um that creates a bigger effect than it does um by changing a retailer's experience a retail customer's experience who goes on there once every few months um so yeah i would have liked to put a more focus on the b2b side um and then also maybe working with our trade customers as well in the change that was going to happen um there was a bit of a stumbling block i think retail customers just went straight in new site and it was relatively smooth changing over our trade customers struggled quite a lot with a new login process, having to create new passwords, how they find the products anymore. Um, and yeah, I don't think that side of it, uh, granted, I don't think we had time with the deadlines, but that side of it did, didn't didn't get as much attention as it probably should have done. Yeah, so really, that's a really nice thing to call out, actually, because it's it's hard, isn't it? With a dead a fixed deadline, I know it moved a bit because of the ERP dependencies, but you have to manage scope because if you try and do everything, you won't get live. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting though, because some businesses will push back the deadline to get it right before they go and others will go live and go, we'll optimize afterwards. But, um, so it, are you spending more time now focused on the B2B versus B2C because the B2C customers are, back, or, you know, using the site easier or are you mixing your time? Oh, you know how ambitious we are. We just do everything all at once. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, there is a big chunk of time that we're trying to take with B2B, um, but that is equally not dropping the B2C. Um, we tried to take a bit of time in doing some customer insight. Possibly we could have argued maybe should have been done before builds. We've never really done any customer insight surveys here, um, but we have. We did it a kind of a few months back um, with our both retail and our trade customers. And actually they've given us a hell of a lot to work on. Um, so we're hitting, uh, as Tom and Co would be very happy with without work, we're heading their way. We're, we're hitting both full force. So, um, yeah, us, we are splitting our time equally between the two. Um, but we're just finding the developments we're needing to do on the retail side are more the exciting, um, project type stuff. Whereas the B2B side is more usability functionality, making it just easier for them to shop. So they, they're almost on different levels, I think. Yeah, it's nice. I know before we start recording, you said about your, your role, you're moving more into focusing on things like uh, user experience, user journeys, CRO. And it's interesting because we the podcast uh, previously did um, was around building CRO testing into replatforming projects and new releases. And it's such an important discipline, isn't it? Because you you can spend a lot of time and effort doing stuff and realize you might have missed some obvious obvious thinking based on the feedback. 
what what would yeah. uh, you pull us out what'd be interesting actually if um if you're able to a couple of like the key insights you've got from the research that are going to help you do things like better or differently for the on the trade side then um so on the trade side interestingly we have quite a lot of trade customers but we didn't get a huge amount of response for them on improving um but we we got some really key themes especially what we're doing is actually ringing them up and speaking to them we've got some really key accounts that use the website and um, where um, we've gained a new a new member of our e-commerce team from our trade side actually she's been vital to uh, be able to just give them a quick call and speak to them she knows them already and can ask them the questions so that's been useful in terms of really qualitative in- information because we found we weren't getting much quantity um, but big things that they found when they're shopping that um, I guess it's harder for us as horsey people, we can do the retail experience, but we don't know what it's like as a, someone running a shop of how we can place our orders easier. So that's been really easy. Uh, it's really simple to be able to just give them a call and find that out. Um, so sim- simple little things like back in stock dates. The product is out of stock. We're getting it back in when. Um, it makes makes their life a million times easier. We've improved the amount of information that we're able to give them on um, products uh, descriptions, names, barcodes, RRP pricing, um, that kind of stuff. We put in a new quick buy feature, um, which it wasn't ready for build, but um, we launched it kind of about six to nine months later, where the entire catalog is all on one page rather than have them having to browse the website or use the search bar. Um, so everything is all on one page, but actually they can import their features, they import their orders, um, which is an exciting feature. So csv file import and i think we've had feedback from one customer that their normal two and a half hour ordering time went down to 10 minutes so they can then use the rest of that time um which is a fantastic um but what we've definitely also found is that we don't talk about it enough most of our trade customers when we are speaking to them don't know that these features exist so that's something that we need to kind of what we probably could have done during build is make better how-to videos this is what's coming these are the new features that you're going to need to do we're going to put on a webinar so we can show you how to use these new features um because we put all the work into building it and then no one uses it because they don't know it's there um so yeah that's a big part that we're we're now trying to do i I love that as well because because given the advice on when you're approaching a launch which has b2c and b2b thinking about the audiences differently they don't need to be treated the same is so important because you're right the way that the way that a, a trade buyer thinks and acts is different to a twice a year online consumer. Um, and uh, yeah, I've seen that in other projects where we're really hand-holding and creating useful content and warming them up to the new sites <laughs> and the key accounts getting the golden glove treatment of personal calls is really, really useful. Um, you know, you've talked a few, uh, um, uh, a bit about the, you know, the, the analysis work you and the team did prior to to go live, um, I'd love to know, like any advice you got about uh, how you assessed what needed to be improved from the old side. So how did how did you come up with a list of things of like this isn't good or this needs to be better or other people do this better than us? Um, well, I guess in a turn, it's lucky, I guess, for us. You could say that the downfalls of the old site were quite obvious. Um, we had issues during peak; the site would crash quite regularly. Um, there were a lot of issues with speed, usability on our side. Um, it was quite time consuming to do a lot of things. So in terms of kind of that side of things, it was relatively easy for us to kind of go, we need to change that. We need to improve this. Um, but 
there was a lot of things as well when we started doing some research on other brands, um, like I said, especially outside of the equestrian industry, because um, I don't think sometimes our industry is particularly forward thinking in terms of digital. Um, but if we go outside of it and we're looking at kind of big name sports brands, homeware brands, things like that, that we were looking at, there was just so much there that we were kind of going from design and features side of things where um, they had buying quizzes and things like that to kind of guide customers in the right way. We couldn't do that. That wasn't something we were able ever able to. They seemed to have much better flexibility on um, how they structured their homepage, um, content landing pages that we weren't able to do particularly well or we had um, kind of real limitations on what we could do. Um, so again, a lot of it was quite design focused, um, but there was a, we just saw so many things that we were kind of going, that's part of our brand where we're, we go a lot on color. We have a lot of matchy matchy is kind of the, the Lemuel kind of almost, um, quote, I guess, really. Um, and there are a lot of other brands in other industries that do something similar and we're just able to provide things for their customers to make it easier to shop and we're excited to shop that we just never really had the ability to do on top of the fact that it crashed all the time and we we're having to put queue systems in place to manage the traffic during Black Friday and things like that. So, um, yeah, we just did a lot of looking at lots of different sites, really. Uh, and have you got any advice for people on how you can make this manageable? Because I, I've seen this before where when people uh, go and get overexcited about like competitor or market analysis, and then they just have such a vast range of diverse feedbacks and they don't know what to do with it. So what worked well for you in terms of streaming that to, to make it usable? So what we did is um, I did a project where I basically gathered... Um, ideas and uh, examples of all these different features that we've seen all these different sites and what they did and how they laid it out and what looked good for all these different types of pages um, from delivery page to checkout to homepage to landing pages. Um, I put them all together on one great big kind of PowerPoint presentation slide and then internally we sat down and we went through them all and I feel like even just doing that where everyone had so many big ideas once you actually put it all in front of them and they realize how much it is we were able to then cross a few out no that's not right um and actually then James you played a big part as well in making us realize that there are different phases to this project it is not just we need everything done perfectly for launch which maybe some people in the company expected to happen um but actually we launch with as best as we can possibly do with the time frame we have and then we have a phase two and then we have a phase three and then we can go on and do some more research and add additional things. And um, yeah, that massively helped me in terms of getting things done on time that were the priority. Yeah, I think that's a nice way of doing it, getting everybody on board initially, because otherwise, if you set unrealistic expectations, trying to trying to calm people down later on saying you can't have this is a harder conversation to have. Give them the disappointment up front. <laughs> um and we talked about this earlier, like, you know, you're a, you're a keen rider, competitor, you've got a deep knowledge of the industry, the customer, the product. I'd love you to like share to other people, like, what benefit do, do you find this brings into a project like this? And what are some of the areas in which that knowledge helped to make better decisions? I personally, I felt it massively helped um, in terms of I was a customer of the brand before I even started working for them. So if we had a look, not that we did the research, but if you had a look at kind of our average customer, I think I could probably sit very strongly in the middle of that. Um, so I effectively was able to build our retail site around how I shop. 
Um, and obviously we're looking at other people, other friends, other colleagues who will probably also be our typical customer. Um, and that, that made it really uh, on terms of kind of how I'm thinking of where I would look to find this project product or, um, where this category kind of sits in the menu and things like that. I felt like I had a decent knowledge just based on the fact that I've been shopping for equestrian products for years. I did a lot of shopping online. Um, I kind of, I fitted into that mold quite nicely. Um, but yeah, the, the product knowledge I think is huge um, and especially now our team are growing and we're getting people into the team who are not necessarily equestrian but have got strong e-commerce backgrounds um, the, the join up of the two has worked really well um, but certainly for, for the ones in the team that are very equestrian heavy um, we we understand what the best kind of qualities of each of our products are that we need to sell how we need to be able to shout about them. Um, online is all about being able to put across the quality of the product, which is something we're really proud of, but you're not able to touch and feel it. So we knew that when we have a particular item, these are our key features. This is something that makes our product stand out from everything else in the market. How can we show that off? Um, and I think that product knowledge is what made things like our product pages and our category pages really strong. Yeah, I agree. The I think it's the storytelling piece that's so useful with with your knowledge and other people in the business about what are people think about, you know, what are the potential objections they might have, what info do they need, how are they going to get inspired, and it's it's something I think a lot of e-commerce teams can learn from is is having that product knowledge. And so some so yeah, you know, you've come from having all the product knowledge, and then now you're overlaying all the e-commerce expertise, which you've done very very quickly. And other people will be e-commerce experts who have to then overlay the product knowledge, and both parts are so important together and i think sometimes businesses need to bring in a product specialist to help them with those decisions on shopper journeys it definitely helped i remember doing the the um workshop we did about the navigation user journeys and how people shop and the product knowledge was brilliant because i just remember coming out of that and we went in with a well the information architecture is wrong we're not quite sure and we came out of that i think with a very clear vision of how people will shop the site Definitely. Yeah, that was a really strong workshop. And um, like I say, that included lots of other people in the business as well that have got that really strong product product knowledge and a long time a long term kind of equestrian knowledge too, which yeah, massively helped. But we I think we also sat there and we looked at about twenty different equestrian websites and fashion websites and all this kind of stuff to see how they structured their menus and, and navigation and things, which was a big, big help too. Yeah, exactly. I've learned loads about fly sheets and uh, lots of products I never thought I'd have an understanding <laughs> of in my life. Um, so when I put when I put out to pasture, I'll know what to buy for myself. <laughs> it ended a, a final question I've got, which come back towards the partnership thing and like you know Lemire and Tom and Co built up a strong partnership. There were some challenging times. I remember during the design phase when some of the initial outputs weren't quite where the business wanted. And I think these elements and projects are cr the critical success bits of it either becomes fractions or you work together to resolve um, and get realigned. I'd love you to talk through what, what's your advice for, for, for managing that and maintaining good communication so that the relationship doesn't suddenly go, whoop, we're at loggerheads, we're actually working together. Any tips you've got for other people listening? Um, I think although we're looking at them as companies, like they're people, it sounds really silly and cliche, but um, my approach to it is always kind of, I want us to be on the same side. And we have had partners in, in other areas of the business where it hasn't worked out and it has ended up being at loggerheads. Um, but 
if both sides, if you, if they're the right partner, both sides should understand where the other one is coming from. Um, and that's completely my, my opinion on, on how you should work together. Um, and I think that's what Tom and co did really well. I don't think everything is ever going to be smooth and easy, but when we did come across a little challenges where we had higher expectations or maybe we weren't meeting what they needed us to do, we were able to just sit down, have a, a conversation and just say, right, this is what we need to do. This needs to step up from this side. This is how we can take it on from this side as well. Cause it's often never just a one-sided thing. And there are a lot of things where actually our expectations are high, but maybe we weren't doing things on our side in a, in the right way to make their job easier either. Um, so the both of us sat down and had good conversations and both sides were then able to step up. Um, and that's what massively sold the partnership to me. And uh, yeah, we have a really strong relationship with them, whereas we've had things on other sides where the step up just hasn't happened on either side um, or one side. And, and that's when it gets fractious. Yeah, I think that's a really nice uh, point to give people is that you've got to approach it collaboratively and and. I guess it's if there's an issue, how you raise that issue determines how it gets reacted to. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think um, seeing it as people rather than agency and client is quite a nice way of framing it. Um, I've really enjoyed this. This I've come to the end of my questions. I, uh, I will no longer ask you annoying questions, but I've really enjoyed it. I've also really, I've really enjoyed the project as well. I think it's great. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, I think you, you underestimated how much e-commerce knowledge you had. <laughs> Thanks. I'm getting more as it goes on but yeah it's a, it's a really exciting industry and I don't think I realized how well it fitted in with me when we when I first started this project and I'm really glad that I've kind of very luckily fallen into it yeah I'm, I'm massively impressed by what, what you're all doing there so I hope it continues to be personally rewarding and also successful for the rest of the team but um thanks thanks for coming on today and Thanks everyone for listening as well. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Keep your ear open for all our episodes. We drop one every Tuesday. And remember, give us that rating on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you're listening and watching. Thanks very much, everybody. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.